Good morning, City Church. This is City Church Together for Tuesday, January 12th. Um, this is Trevor, uh, one of the pastors at City Church here with you. And uh, today we are, uh, as we are working our way through um, the book of Luke, um, today's uh, in City Church's daily Bible reading, which you can find on our app. You search the app store and find that there. But today's daily Bible reading is um, from Luke chapter 2. From Luke chapter 2, and I got to tell you, I'm, uh, when I came upon this thing, I was like, we just did Christmas. All the decorations are away. You know, I, I don't know about y'all, but when Christmas is over, love the incarnation, guys. Celebrate it all year long. Um, but when Christmas is over, I'm, I'm ready to take the decorations down. I secretly judge people who still go through the effort to plug their outdoor. Leaving your outdoor lights up, Christmas lights up, is one thing. Going through the effort to plug in your blow-up snowman, that is another thing. Okay, guys? It's January 12th. At least leave that thing lifeless in your front yard in the dark if you're not going to take it down. Do not plug it in. Um, but there are worse things. Um, speaking of worse things, this is the first time I've been with you since the um, events occurred, which just sounds too passive, in Washington, D.C. at our Capitol. Events didn't occur. Um, evil um, came out of people. Um, desperation, pride, evil is what people chose to do in Washington, D.C. And um, if you haven't yet listened to um, uh, the City Church sermon uh, from the book of Joshua um, from this past Sunday, I would encourage you to do that um, as I speak more about this um, this past Sunday. So um, I I just want to say, as if you don't already know it, that... um, we are mourning, um, yet we also have a lot of hope for um, the church to minister to and um, for God to work through her church in this country. Um, not her church, his church. I meant the church is her. Um, don't read anything into that. Um but for God to work through his church in this country and use her um, as the beacon of light and hope that she is supposed to be through the way that we love, through the way that we endure, and um, through the way that we speak prophetically toward evil that happens around us. Um, So um, with that, um, let's go to the hope that is provided in this passage. It comes from Luke 2, Luke 2, verses 1 through 7. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there... The time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. 
And that is the word of the Lord from Luke chapter 2. Um, in an effort to, there are many things um, that have been mined from this passage um, over 2,000 years. Um, so I, I certainly am not going to attempt um, to give us all the meaning from this. But um, in an attempt to hopefully give us something different to think about, maybe than we typically do uh, when we read this passage, which is so associated with Christmas, and rightly so, um, I, I want us, the, the H today, what we're going to highlight is this idea that Jesus is the firstborn son of Mary. Jesus is the firstborn son of Mary. And it says, while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. So um, firstborn, when I see that word, there's lots of things that come flooding to my mind. Um, one is the cultural context of being a firstborn. Um, being a firstborn um, gives you certain, uh, in a Hebrew culture, um, and it just g- generally, even in the Greek culture of the day, being a firstborn son meant that you had a certain number, of, you had a birthright, um, you had a certain number of rights and privileges that were afforded to you. Um, you would sort of be um, the primary insurance policy for your um, parents, um, uh, meaning when they get old, your responsibility to take care of them. Um, it was your responsibility to lead your brothers and sisters. Um, and you would have, uh, you would get the vast majority of the inheritance of your, uh, father's, uh, household when it became time for, for, uh, when he died. Um, and, there's just all kinds of importance that is placed on being a firstborn. The other thing um, that comes to mind, biblically speaking, when I think of firstborn, um, I am immediately transported back to um, the book of Genesis you know, on one hand. I think of the upside-down nature of what happens in Genesis where God is so often um, giving the um, giving not— uh, the, moving his line not through the firstborn but to the youngest um even david who is mentioned in this passage is not the firstborn and yet that's where god um traces jesus's line through is through david and uh, there is an underestimation of david when he comes up in the old testament um you think of jacob and esau jacob uh his name was changed to israel changed to israel that's where the 12 tribes of israel come from um you think of uh abraham in genesis um abraham um, indeed, his firstborn son, in some senses, is not his firstborn son. Rather, um, uh, the Isaac, rather, uh, uh, Ishmael is his firstborn son, and yet the scripture calls Isaac the firstborn son because he is the firstborn son of promise. That comes from God. Uh, you get to the Exodus. You think about um, now Now Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel, they are in slavery, and Moses leads them out. And remember, the last plague is a plague on the firstborn and the uh, of, of Egypt or the Hebrews. And the only way that anyone is saved is through uh, by, by slaying a lamb and placing the blood on the doorframe so that, uh, uh, again, so that your firstborn would not die. Um, 
in order to preserve the for, firstborn son that had to be done. So you, um, what I'm trying to paint for a picture for uh, a picture for you is that biblically speaking, when we think about the Bible as a whole, which is which is eventually as you read scripture, that's how you need to read the Bible. Like it, it, these images of the the biblical story that has been painted for you ought to rush you to Genesis and to Exodus and to um, uh, and uh, to uh, Samuel and Kings and all these following books. The so firstborn is just a huge huge word in scripture. Now, if we move to the New Testament and to in Jesus's own teaching, let's think about Luke 15, the story of the prodigal son. And this is where I want to sit a little bit. Um, let me get to the prodigal son in just a minute. When I, when I read this passage, I see names of kings and rulers. Um, you have Caesar Augustus. Uh, you have Quirinius, who was governing Syria. You have the mention of the city of David, um, who was a king. And then you have the mention of the firstborn son. And so there is all of this sort of power and governing and rulership that happens. And then there is this firstborn son born into an animal trough. Okay. Now let's go to, so there's, we're starting to get a picture of this upside down kingdom. Again, this is Jesus. You know, we might, if, if I was tracking the story through the Old Testament, especially if I, I spend a lot of time in Genesis, I might think that the savior, the one who would crush the serpent's head was going to come from um, a sort of Jacob character, not the firstborn, second one, you know, God kind of shaming the idea of, um, of the firstborn, but uh, here Jesus is a firstborn son. So Continuing on now to Luke 15, and this is where, as I meditated on this passage today, this is what struck me. Jesus' teaching in Luke 15 about the prodigal son is a story about a younger brother who indeed is ridiculously wasteful. That's what prodigal means, sinful. He asks for his father's inheritance early. He goes out. He spends it. He is insulting to his father. He is shameful to his family. He is an absolute mess. The older, his older brother, on the, on the other hand, is not a mess. In fact, he is very put together. Um, he stays at his father's side. He does his due diligence. Um, excuse me. He does his duty. Um, he does everything that his father asked him to do. He is on the scene. He never leaves his father. He is always working for his father. And yet when the prodigal son returns home, his father embraces the shame and runs out to this wicked, wasteful son that he has, and he puts a robe on him, and he puts shoes, uh, sandals on his feet, and a ring on his finger, and slaughters a fattened calf, and cranks up the music, and turns on the dance party, without even giving the son an opportunity to do anything other than say, I'm sorry. Anything other than repent and run back. There is no promise of work that can come out of his mouth. There is no, I guarantee you, I won't do this in again. Now, the older brother has watched this in Luke chapter 15, has watched this happen and is beside himself. In fact, this has all occurred while he has been out working the fields and he comes in and here's this party, has to have a servant come and deliver. He wasn't even invited to the party yet. And he is just beside himself that his father would celebrate such a wasteful and evil person, would, would offer this sort of forgiveness. 
And Jesus is the older brother. Jesus is the firstborn son. He, I mean, Jesus literally was going to have younger brothers, one of whom would write um, a New Testament epistle, James. But Jesus is also referred in Scripture as our older brother. He is the Son of God. He is the firstborn from the dead, and all of us will follow in him. So, so now, let's take a look at the two pictures, Luke 15, the story that Jesus tells about being firstborn, and the fact that Jesus is firstborn. And so if, if, we're, if we're fitting ourselves in, Jesus is the older brother, and yet Jesus, the we prodigals, younger sons and daughters, Though we return home and have made a mess of what God has given us and what has he, he has entrusted us to, this is what sin is, we've made a mess of what God has entrusted us with, we return home and the Father welcomes us with open arms. The firstborn Son of God does not look at us with disdain, does not look at us and say, I can't believe they would get a party. Jesus does not turn to his father and say, how could you embrace them like this? Have I not been with you all along? No, no, no. Jesus, of his own accord and following his father's will in eternal love, is actually the one who steps into our mess. He is the older brother who doesn't just observe us coming home, he is the way we come home. I mean, this is, not, is this not a picture of Jesus stepping into our mess? Uh, uh, one who should be a king, who should be a ruler, being laid helpless as a babe in a manger, an animal trough. A picture of the upside-down kingdom, the older brother who doesn't complain about the mess that the younger brother has made, but makes a way, actually makes a way for him to come home. And that's a little piece of the story of Luke 15 that's we don't get from Jesus yet, and that they didn't get from Jesus yet, is that he was actually the older brother who would be the younger brother's way home. That's what Jesus is to us. He is the firstborn. And yes, he is the firstborn from the dead. Yes, he is the one who would lead us into life. I just think that's an astounding way, a beautiful way to read this word firstborn son when we go over to Luke 15 and see it. And of course, he is the fulfillment of the lamb that was slain to save the firstborn. He is the fulfillment of the one who was overlooked like David, right? Jesus was the firstborn, David wasn't, but Jesus certainly was overlooked, and we see this in Luke 2. He is born in a bad... Everything important that's happening seems to be in Caesar's neck of the woods or in Quirinius's neck of the woods or later in Herod's neck of the woods or later, later in Jesus' life in Pilate's neck of the woods. Everything that seems to be important happens there, and yet here is this dusty firstborn child who is actually the king of the world that would save all of his younger siblings through his sacrifice. That's where true greatness is. That's where true kingship is. That is the upside-down nature of the kingdom of God, and oh, am I thankful for it. How do we apply this? Well, one is in gratitude. And secondly, in light of all that has happened in our country and in, in light of the lack of leadership um, shown by our president, 
and lack of the misunderstanding of what true strength means, in light of uh, 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 the misunderstanding of the way those who have power should use it, we get a great picture from Jesus. Yes, the firstborn son, but he gave up his inheritance for the weak. He laid his life down so we could walk across him as a bridge to our father. City Church, that is the way we apply this. We don't struggle to get on top or to get power. Rather, we take what God has given us and we use it to bring other people to his love. Let's do that, City Church. Let's respond to him now in a moment of silence and prayer. Our Father, we are undeserving of the grace you showed us. We are prodigal. We ran and many days continue to run from you. We ask for your gifts, not to spend them on glorifying you, but to spend them on ourselves, on loose living, as some translations say in Luke 15. And yet, because of our older brother, Jesus, the incarnate Son of God, we have a way back. And we find you there as a father, not with a scowl, but with a smile, with a boombox, with the music turned up, with a steak. Or a black bean tofu steak if you're vegan you're there you're there with open arms to receive us only because you weren't the older brother who stood outside and sneered but you were the older brother the firstborn son who plunged into our mess to push us up out of the flood waters. Jesus, you pushed us up out of the flood waters of God's wrath so that we could breathe, we could be embraced, and we could know what it means to be close to you, Father. In the name of the Father and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let us serve others in that way. Amen. City Church, that, with that picture in your mind, that is how we will go and multiply the gospel.